Hello and welcome to another episode of the Data Center Frontier Show podcast. I'm Matt Vincent, Editor-in-Chief of Data Center Frontier. I'm here with uh, my editorial counterpart, David Chernikoff, Senior Editor of Data Center Frontier. How are you doing, David? How you doing, Matt? Doing pretty well. And uh, we're here today with um, James Walker and uh, Jay Jang Yu, uh, from uh, Nanonuclear Energy. Uh, James Walker is a nuclear physicist and uh, was the project lead and manager for constructing the new Rolls-Royce nuclear chemical plant. Um, he was also the uh, UK subject matter expert for the UK nuclear material uh, recovery uh, capabilities and was technical project manager in the UK for constructing uh, the reactor core uh, the UK uh, reactor core uh, manufacturing facilities. And uh, Jay Jang Yu is uh, founder, executive chairman, and president of uh, Nanonuclear. Uh, Mr. Yu is a serial entrepreneur and has over 16 years of capital markets experience on Wall Street. Uh, he's a private investor in a multitude of companies and uh, has advised uh, public and private company executives with corporate advisory services such as capital funding, mergers and acquisitions, um, structured financing, IPO listings, and the like. So uh, uh, David, uh, you, you were the one who uh, brought us uh, this interview uh, based on your recent uh, article on uh, microreactors as a uh, slice of uh, SMEs uh, oriented, we hope, someday towards uh, uh, on-site uh, data center uh, power generation. Um, so, uh, you know, we're gonna be talking about how micro reactors might impact the data center industry, what the practical time to market will be. But uh, David, why don't I uh, turn it over to you and let you uh, set up the topic a bit and uh, bring us into uh, the interview with, uh, with uh, James and Jay. Well, thanks, Matt. Uh... Uh, James and Jay, thank you very much for uh, giving us this time this week. We do appreciate it. Um, I guess we should probably start with the elephant in the room, which was the not just the uh, the new scale project collapse, uh, which obviously has an impact on the whole SMR industry. And I realized that while while that microreactors are a small part of the SMR business, but that is it is your business. And uh, what got lost in the in the ground clutter after that announcement was. Um, couple of weeks prior, the U.S. Department of Defense had announced preliminary uh, contracts for a microreactor for, for a base in Alaska, and then pulled back from it after the SMR um, issues with New Scale, uh, saying that the contract had to be looked at again, that there were some concerns filed by other people bidding on the contract. Uh, are these things that are going to have a major impact on your piece of the business? Um. I, I don't really believe so. I mean, even on the new scale one, that's that's the big famous one that people are talking about at the moment. But that, that really that short report that put their share price far under where it was before came about because of um, their their prices were slightly understated on what they ended up being. But a lot of the reason for that was because the infrastructure in the United States is atrophied over the last couple of decades because a lot of material is just being bought from Russia and brought over here and down and down blended to meet certain like domestic needs and domestic requirements. So if you were to build back up the infrastructure in the States, which is actually ongoing and the Department of Energy realizes that. So it's investing in things like 
fuel fabrication, deconversion, and transportation, those kind of aspects. The costs of nuclear actually come down substantially. So even, even New Scale, as an example, like they were hit pretty bad by that short report. Also, a, a, a very unfavorable structure that they used for, um, for listing themselves in a SPAC, and they all kind of follow the same downward trajectory. But they have a very good technology. They're still the only licensed uh, company out there. And they, they probably will bounce back to this. It just, it, it's not good optics when people are expecting the product to come out of the market. And New Scale was to be the first. But they get but market conditions and the structure of SPACs and the lack of US infrastructure can all complicate what they want to do. And half the reason for them taking so long is because the infrastructure is not in place to support what they want to do. Um, but even hypothetically, even if the SMR market, as an example, was to collapse, um, microreactors are really targeting a very different area of the market. So SMRs are looking to power cities and big things like that. Microreactors, you're looking at mine sites, charging stations for vehicles, disaster relief areas, military bases, um, remote habitation where they, they principally fund um, bundle their energy using diesel. Uh, it's it's kind of hitting a different market. So even if the SMR market goes away, you know, there's still a huge, tremendous upside, potential untapped market in, in the microreactor space. So are microreactors, you know, if 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 the technology is fully developed, is is that going to be a, even a better, uh, you know, what's what's the pros and cons of the prospects for micro microreactors versus uh, what we're commonly uh, thinking about in terms of uh, SMR, uh, but uh, for data centers. So I would start with the advantages just of a microreactor over an SMR. It's it's smaller. It'll be cheaper. It'll be safer. Um, it'll be more deployable. You'll have far more um, uh, economies of scale of producing hundreds of these things. Um, they're easier to decommission, remove. Um, they're easier to take apart. Yeah, I mean, logistically, you're shipping these things around the world as if they were sort of diesel generators. is a very feasible prospect. Um, OPEX cost will be far lower. Um, personnel that needs to be involved in the day-to-day -day physical operation will be negligible. Um, where the disadvantage of a microreactor is, is um, SMRs would provide a cheaper form of electricity. But as um, SMRs are providing for cities and uh, microreactors are more remote locations, remote industrial projects, remote data centers, those kind of thing. Um, you're really competing with sort of the, the high costs of remote diesel. Um, hmm. And as an example, like uh, we were speaking with um, some Canadian government officials up, um, up there and they were saying some of their remote habitation, they can have a community of 800 people, but it still costs 10 million US in fuel alone, ignoring all of the logistical costs of bringing that fuel in on a daily basis just to power those remote communities that, that have no possibility of being hooked up to a grid because it's too, it's too far. And um, that, that would be the same for all sorts of things. Like if you want a remote data center, remote mining operations, remote industrial projects, oil and gas things, then, then microreactors aren't really competing with SMRs on cost. With the, uh, we're a data center publication. So that, that obviously is a lot of interest to us. And you, you point out diesel. Diesel is the primary methodology for backup power for data centers. Um, I realize no one has actually shipped a microreactor yet in, in, in this form factor. Uh, but one of the advantages, for example, that, that comes from, I guess, Project Pele from the USDOD was the decision to standardize 
on triso fuels so mm -hmm. that anybody building one now now the whole issue of building infrastructure to build to, to provide the fuel is is significantly simplified uh, realistically and obviously we're asking to make a projection here but when you're able to deliver microreactors at any sort of scale will they be competitive with diesel generators in the data center space and uh, I would also allow allow for you to say well diesel generators also have to deal with all the emissions issues, environmental concerns, uh, greenhouse gases, et cetera, that are not issues with 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 a containerized nuclear power plant. So will there be a realistic model there? Yeah, so what I'd say to that is that um, currently nuclear is expensive, but if you look at just the theoretical, like the physics of the, of the operation, like nuclear should be the cheapest by far of all energy sources in the world. Like you can't compact more energy into a small space than you can have with nuclear. I mean, a lot of the reasons for, say, those conventional power plants being so expensive was that um, enormous upfront capital costs that need a huge amount of financing that, go, go, that goes alongside that. And that, that financing that funds that capital investment can often be 70% of the overall cost. So say you shrink down that capital cost, that financing cost gets smaller and smaller. Once you start shrinking it down to the microactor space, that financing cost almost goes away entirely. So with competing with diesel generators, once the infrastructure is built back up and you do have deconversion facilities and enrichment facilities able to produce halo fuel and companies are able to source this stuff very readily, the capital costs come down markedly. And that, that'll be the same for people like Nuscan. Um, and then after say, um, there'll be an optimization period. Typically that I would expect over an eight year period of launch, so say, say right Corrector's launch in 2030, nearing 2040, I believe the cost will be competitive with diesel by that point, because the, the optimization will kick in, the infrastructure will be in place, um, and the economies of scale of which these things are being produced means that, yes, yeah, so you'll have, you'll essentially have a nuclear battery that can compete with diesel, that can give you 15 years of clean energy um, at a cheaper rate. That's, that's the, the, um, uh, what the projections show currently. Okay. The, the microreactors are uh, not uh, going to uh, really uh, compete on the same side of the nuclear uh, fence with uh, what we think of when we usually think of uh, SMRs, right? Because like in a data center, you know, SMR would be like uh, an on-site power plant that was uh, providing like... Uh, you know, campus scale uh, power, but it sounds like what we're talking about, the potential data center application for microreactors is for uh, battery backup as a, as a way to uh, replace uh, diesel generators. I, I, I just wanted to, is, is that what we're talking about? Yes. The advantage here is that, <clears throat> I mean, the, the capacity factor, which really is the consistency of the power is actually better with a microreactor than it would be with a diesel generator. So there's certain advantages immediately with data centers to opt for diesel because you have a more consistent power. Um, with diesel, you would need, say, a secondary generator to form as backup for that part. But say your issue is getting enough diesel, well, then that backup generator doesn't work, and then you lose both mechanisms of supporting your infrastructure. With nuclear, there's no reason why you can't just have um, stockpiled diesel generators just a backup system, and nuclear being your predominant form of power. Um, 
And you know, the power range of microreactors can vary. Like it can go from say one megawatt, like Project Pele, round about there, one meg megawatt electric to 20 megawatt electric. So you're, you're dealing with a much larger sort of infrastructure. And if you really want to power enormous data centers and AI technology, then you, uh, bringing in your own M M M uh, like MS, um, SMR that can power say 100 megawatts of power, that's certainly an option too. And there would be, there would be certain advantages of um, using an SMR for those big scale operations. But microreactors can allow you um, to cite your data center anywhere you want. Um, and if you and if it does say require a certain size, it's very easy to ship just two or three or four microreactors to the same place, and they they would all serve into the microgrid at that location. You mentioned hey, microgrid, hey guys. No, oh, sorry. I just wanted to add in also. We've been contacted by Bitcoin mining companies as well. Uh, because they want to actually power their data centers in in uh, cold environments like Alaska, um, you know. So we've been contacted many times actually. So, and there is there is like a trending topic on like Bitcoin nuclear. Um, so you know, they're fascinated by that because it goes hand in hand. I just want to add that to your listeners as well. Okay, makes sense. Uh, I was going to follow up on the on the on the microgrid comment. Do you do you see this being a, a eventually being sort of a package deal for not just for data centers? Obviously, data centers will be a big consumer of this, but for deployable microgrids where you have latest technology, battery power. You've got microreactors providing primary power sources, integrating the microgrid with the local utility grids to allow you know, providing power back to the grid in times of need, pull power from the, from the grid when, when when it's cheap, that kind of, you know, fit that whole microgrid um, active partner model, we should say, I guess, with, with existing power supplies. Yeah, like that's certainly, there's been enormous scope for that. And like, there are these mandates now to try and um, clean up the energy sources. Um, and that has led to a big industry push to try and invest in nuclear. And one of the things they're obviously looking at is that, Supporting infrastructure for for energy grids, um, microreactors could be an enormously beneficial part of supporting that. So, say for instance, like grids can get stretched, and the more remote you get, the more, uh, say the cutoff that that could happen. Um, it's, it can be more and more difficult to remedy. But with a microreactor system that's built in, it could be ramped down to pretty much no activity at all. Suddenly, it needs to come online. You could ramp back up and save a thousand houses or something like that, or thousand homes. Um, so building strength in depth into the infrastructure is certainly one aspect that microactors can really benefit from. I think one aspect of it that people very much like, because, because the costs are expected to be, capital costs are expected to be so much cheaper, it's very likely that microactors will, will lease the energy itself. So install microgrids um, and the, the company itself, say for instance, it's BHP Bilson or a big mining company like that, they would say we want X number of megawatts for Y number of years. Um, and you would just come on site and you would put, you would build your infrastructure and um, put your microgrid down and you would just power that. And they would pay you for the megawatt or the kilowatt or whatever that is. Okay. And as soon as they were done, you would just pack up and ship off. Um, and that way they don't have to have um, any considerations about land preparation, maintenance of this thing, disposal of this thing, um, or operation of, of the microreactor. And I think that's that's one very appealing um, aspect of it too. So 
maybe maybe big chemical companies as an example they need a lot of power they could bring in new, like smrs but if they do that for instance it's a much larger infrastructure project um, with much longer commissioning and decommissioning times um, and with a micro but with a micro reactor it can essentially ship in and ship out um, without the company needing to take any sort of ownership okay do we do uh, are we still talking about a uh, basically a one or two acre footprint um, literally for single net battery model where once that once that piece is in place and I reach the end of my power generation cycle, I unplug you with the old one and plug in the new one. Essentially, right. I mean, even less than a even less than an acre. Um, I mean, for instance, our our microactors, we the MO we gave our scientists was it's got to fit within an ISO container. Um, you can't fit the shielding within um, the shielding and the micro, uh, and the reactor within the one container. But say two micro um, two ISO containers and they ship to site. The ISO container gets put down. It doesn't need to be taken out of the ISO container. Shielding goes around that, and essentially you've then got um, a, a container that just sits there occupying a very small amount of land. Maybe you put a security fence up just around that a certain area, and you have a some sort of um, person on site for physical security of it, just in case a tree falls on it or something. Um, but it would be a, a very marginal footprint. And as you said, like when when you do want to move this thing over, you just pick up the container and you ship it off. Um, nothing to do with the company, and then you just ship it, you just bring in another microactor and poke it down and plug it into the microgrid. I have, I have a couple of questions. <clears throat> um, the first one is, can we just take a step back for a minute? And we've, we've referred to this uh, project, uh, uh, Pele, uh, P-E-L-E, from the uh, Department of Defense. David wrote about it. it has to do with microreactors. Uh, can you describe what that project is for people who might not know? Uh, what um, microreactors involvement in it is, and then start to lead us toward um, like implications for data centers that might be being illustrated by by that product project. So, um, so Project Pele was actually a um, US DOD project, and that was to build a um, a deployable nuclear power reactor. And I think principally their focus was on trying to build a uh, power source for military bases. And, and the reason behind that was that if you think of, say, I don't know, an Afghanistan or Iraq military base, now that's being powered completely on diesel. And if you think on a daily basis, you're needing to bring in diesel on a conti uh, continuously, that's a massive security risk. It's a massive target. It occupies a lot of manpower, um, a lot of firepower, just protecting it and keeping vigilance over it. Not to mention that it's really expensive. So Project Pele was a microactor program developed by the DOD to create a, I think it was 1.5 megawatt electric um, uh, microactor to serve the US Army or, or the US military in, in wider capacity. And so they've even brought on um, or offered other contracts to private companies to assist them um, uh, with this. So I think um, BWXT, um, won a grant from the more Westinghouse to assist in the development of microactor to serve the U.S. military, and it's it, but they operate under the same principle as every microactor company. It's still a small deployable um, reactor to replace diesel generators, and that'll be the market for almost all of them. Project Pele, even though it began as a military thing, it, it's probably going to have enormous benefits, I think, for the wider microactor market because there's a lot of development work that. Can go into feed 
uh, and inform like commercial and civil designs. I, I presume that's the, one of the biggest the, the, the factors that Pele brought was the standardization for the fuel, the transportability, the uh, the application people were considering with it, um, the, the, and the form factor. Uh, you know that 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 can I stick it in, in, in two 40 foot containers and get it to my site? Uh, once you standardize on those things, I think as I mentioned earlier, prices start to come down, and that's going to be a big part of making this acceptable to the data set industry to replace. Or to even, you know, to replace diesel generators or to build microgrids around. Yes, and that, and that's the ultimate aim is to replace these diesel generators. Is that, um, I think even some of the the big microgrid companies would probably operate in a, as an initial loss, knowing how quickly the costs are going to come down when the infrastructure and the economy of scale will kick in. And then, really, you're looking sometime around about twenty thirty, where it becomes commensurate with those diesel costs, especially in remote areas where. The cost of diesel can be quite high because you're constantly shipping it in. And the data centers they churn through an enormous amount of power. Um, currently, they're, they're very restricted in where they can go because of that diesel limitation. If you didn't need to factor into account logistics of fuel transportation, you could have a data center in the middle of Alaska or in the middle of Siberia. It really wouldn't make a difference. It can be really anywhere. So beyond the Bitcoin uh, mining uh, data centers, have you been seeing much interest from, uh, you know, just uh, standard data center operators? Have there been conversations or questions? Yeah, so uh, obviously there's been some big ones like um, Microsoft as an example were incredibly interested in powering a lot of their remote data centers with nuclear. And so they've even put out uh, funding opportunities to this effect. But on the, on the smaller fronts, like um, uh, we've seen um, ChatGPT talk about uh, empowering their um, uh, their centers with nuclear uh, in the future, um, and, and some of the small um, some smaller tech firms you've also seen talk about bringing in microactors so they can essentially, you know, if it wants to be in the middle of the Nevada desert or the Arizona desert, you can you can put it there. Um, Lander would be very cheap. It doesn't need to be near a city. And you can almost build a city around this thing. So it, it opens up the potential for enormous amounts of expansion. It can reduce a lot of costs, especially capital costs of the startup. And I think that's the big draw here. Um, and so, yeah, there's been a tremendous amount of interest. The, but the, most of the interest has been from the big companies initially. And I, I think that'll trickle down a lot to the, the smaller tech centers. Thank you. How much of an advantage is there in that? Um... It's a, it's, a, it's a major issue in the U.S. and, and obviously other parts of the world, um, power transmission. Obviously, if I can plunk a microreactor down in the middle of my data center campus, I don't have to worry about transmitting power to the campus. Uh, are there cost advantages in this? I mean, is it something that, that the big power providers are looking at as ways to distribute their, you know, basically build a more distributed power grid? Yeah, it's, it's actually a huge factor. Say, for instance, um, we, we were in discussions with a very large mining company. They were looking to try and get power to say remote locations where they were mining. Now, to to use grid power using transmission lines was enormously expensive for where they wanted to get to. So, hundreds of millions of dollars, way in excess of what it would cost them to operate and, and run a microreactor, as an example. Um, and even when they were looking at things like there could be a very decent source of hydropower very nearby. Um, that would still need transmission lines because it's very rare you'll get that resource combined with the mining location 
near each other. So you still need to run transmission lines. And the, the other bad part about that is that you'll also need big storage facilities. So say, for instance, if you wanted to opt for wind or solar and the, and, the, and the conditions were optimal, and that's not really the case across most of the, the country, but say they were optimal, you would still not have very high consistency with those power sources. And when you did have high outputs, you would need to be able to store it. And there's a loss going to store it, and there's a loss taking out of that storage. And that storage itself can sometimes exceed the cost of, um, say, the wind farm or the solar farm itself. Um, so like nuclear can eliminate those, um, those storage costs plus those transmission costs, which can be pretty exorbitant, actually, depending on where you are. Okay. Um, for the, from, for data center folks, what kind, I mean, and I, I presume this is an issue in the UK as much as it would be in the US. Uh, you know, you've got a lot of big data center providers who are in very urban areas. Uh, if I want to add a new data center, you know, in, in central London, and I want to plop down a micro reactor in a warehouse, um, what kind of pushback am I going to have to deal with? Um. Well, I know that the sentiment for nuclear is changing quite considerably. So it's support for nuclear has been rising and it's not stopped rising. I think some something like now in the US, it's like 80% approval amongst the public. Because um, nuclear has always suffered from very bad PR and that's partly because it was mostly a government partnership energy endeavor and the government don't really care about PR. And so there's a lack of education about it. Um, I mean, with microreactors, the good thing about them is say every single mechanical component was to break simultaneously in a microreactor. That's impossible. But just say hypothetically, you can't get the accident scenarios that you could get off a larger reactor, like core overheating leading to core melt, which or or anything like that. All that would happen it was to just it would just passively cool. So it would just sit there until you just fixed it. Um, so I mean we even get questions sometimes like, you know, what would a could a terrorist get hold of this thing or do anything with it? And it's it's a it's kind of a funny question because how you would need to um, uh, what you would need to do is take a microreactor. You would need to melt down using a big chemical facility, um, say the uranium uh, fuel rods or the plates. Um, then you would need to concentrate that uranium. Then you would need to enrich it, and then you would need a fabrication facility or a deconversion facility, and then ultimately you create weapons. So you're looking at billions and billions of dollars of infrastructure um, and hundreds of technical experts to take a microreactor and create anything bad at it. Yeah. Um, like it's, it's just sort of worth pointing out because it, it's obviously, it's a question that people come up with. And it's, to be fair to them, um, you know, they're not, they don't have a background in nuclear. They don't know that microreactors can't blow up for a start. Um, and the fuel in them is not enriched enough to blow up. Um, and if you do get an accident scenario, it's usually coolant leak in a larger reactor, and that's not even possible in the microreactor. Are they safer than uh, <clears throat> an SMR uh, would be, as we uh, you know tend to think of what an SMR would be? Yeah, they're, they're they're safer than what an SMR would be. So SMRs are nuclear is already if you look at gigawatt uh, deaths per gigawatt hour, nuclear big is already the safest form of energy. SMRs are safer again and microreactors are safer again than that yeah um, sorry david no say real i mean realistically we're coming we're running starting to run out of time here realistically time frames uh what 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 are the obstacles to 
ha having functional systems deployed uh, in the next decade. For data centers. For data centers, yes. For data centers. I, I would say SMRs are going to really sometime around mid-decade, they're going to be deploying uh, more products into the market that can be utilized by big cities and grids like that. But microactors are a little bit behind. So I think you're going to be looking at microactors closer to 2030, if not 2030 onwards. And to power um, to power data centers, I think SMRs could come online to power big chemical plants and big data centers, probably sometime nearer towards the end of the decade with microactors very early in the 2030s, um, coming online to power smaller data centers, more remote locations. That, that, that seems to be very, very likely. And, and well within the time, the possible time frame. Yeah, that that sounds like a long time out, but realistically, people are are you know getting their power commitments and all that stuff together now for five years down the road now anyway. So, ten years down the road is the next is the next cycle of figuring out where they're going to get their power from and where they're going to be deploying. Yeah, and I, I, and, be, and even you know even less like when I say twenty thirty onwards, that's a very feasible and reasonable timeline for any microactor company to get a product to prototype and get it licensed and deploy it. Are, are you do you have the opportunity to, to get to do any work with the Idaho National Labs and their they're, they're supposed to be supporting everybody in this independent business here. Actually, I've got nothing but great things to say about them because they've been incredibly supportive of us. They've given us an enormous amount of technical input, and we've even got our reactors audited with them. So, just if we're a very transparent company, we want to get an external review. They will run audits for you on your own reactor designs and tell you where they believe you might have issues or regulatory hurdles, and they'll give you solutions. They've been fantastic with us. Well, good to see our tax dollars at work. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, Matt, anything further from you? Um, well, uh, we touched on the uh, uh, community, uh, you know, relations uh, thing. Of course, it's also uh, far in the future that it's hard to know what uh, people are going to think uh, in the future. But I mean, you know, they are up in arms about data construction, uh, data center construction, as you know, just over, uh, you know, regular issues over, uh, you know, noise and, uh, you know, location. Is it next to, you know, protected or uh, historical stuff? So it always feels like to get people to buy into uh, on-site nuclear uh, generation uh, is going to be a stretch. But I also always think that uh, the solutions uh, for data centers in the area of uh, power are gonna come down to like uh, mosaic, you know, uh, something that works uh, for one site uh, won't work for another. So we'll probably have, uh, you know, a few different uh, kinds of uh, technologies uh, out there. But um, <clears throat> I don't know, we began uh, talking about uh, new scale and uh, their uh, situation and stuff that's happened with them uh, this year, the iceberg uh, research report and stuff. I mean, uh, and we kind of took that as, you know, it was kind of a, a turnabout because when we uh, read about the, uh, Microsoft's, uh, you know, job posting that we all read about for an SMR, uh, you know, research head or whatever, uh, you know, that seemed like a tipping point for, uh, you know, okay, you know, we're getting, uh, you know, SMR uh, up on the rails for data centers. And then when the uh, new scale uh, flap happened, it seemed like it was... Uh, 
you, you know, knocking back the prospects for uh, nuclear uh, generation for data centers. So just uh, wanted to take the opportunity to ask uh, uh, you, uh, bo both of you here, since you're inside the uh, nuclear industry, uh, you know, how how uh, you digested all that stuff with uh, New Scale and Microsoft uh, and SMRs and uh, you know, did you get uh, excited for uh, data center prospects, and then, uh, you know, the balloon uh, deflated slightly, or you know, how how did you digest all all of that this year with uh, SMR and New Scale? So when we were watching New Scale happening, I mean, they've made a, a lot of very sensible design decisions to deploy a product, but they they suffer from being the first. They suffered as well from just being the first to try and deploy in a market where the infrastructure is atrophied and needs to be built back. So I, it's, it's remarkable they managed to only be, say, 53% above their original estimated cost. And that cost will come down tremendously. Um, New Scale is still going. I mean, they, they, will, just re they will recover from this. But the, the, part, the thing that they suffered from very badly, and this was a mistake, is that they chose a SPAC structure for a listing, uh, for a listing and that led to an enormous amount of dilution and then shares that were being sold into the market which reduced their market cap quite considerably. And the short report um, effectively enabled the shorting of the stock to enable people to make a lot of money just by playing the market. But the, the underlying structure of what they're trying to do is sound. And there's, there's also, they're in a nice position that, and the, the whole nuclear industry is in a nice position, that there is no other solution. Um, so it is, it's either nuclear or it's back to coal. Um, and even then, like for remote locations like data centers, there's no other solution. Like you can't put a wind farm or a solar farm wherever you want. It's just the conditions probably won't be right. And even if they were right, um, you'd need storage facilities and you need a lot of land. And there's even reports out of banks that show that um, the acreage that gets needed for these big facilities, um, these big renewable farms, um, they can even create a massive increase in carbon emissions just by how much land they need. So if, if decarbonization still keeps going ahead, um, nuclear is going to win out in the end. And even if it doesn't, um, the merits of having a power source that does not need any refueling for more than a decade um, with far reduced costs is going to be appealing enough where that'll come into play. And for data centers, as you mentioned, um, noise considerations, energy usage, things like that, which the public might not be in favor of. That doesn't matter in the middle of the Arizona desert, um, especially when um, it's, a, it's a carbon neutral um, uh, endeavor that does not need um, huge tracts of land or big storage facilities or transmission lines or anything like that. Very, very small footprint. Absolutely. We're talking direct energy generation with micro reactors, correct? So there's no water involved. There's no, there's no external cooling. There's, there's no Turbine debt generating power. We're talking just direct energy generation. That's right. Yes, just direct okay. energy. Well, uh, thanks uh, very much for uh, joining us here today, uh, James and Jay. Uh, really great to get the uh, perspective uh, from uh, nano nuclear on uh, uh, nuclear uh, generation for uh, data centers. Uh, just uh, thanks again for joining us on the uh, Data Center Frontier Show podcast. Okay.